Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talkie some walkies. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, this is our sixth time recording. And yet, at this point, there are only two podcasts that have been uploaded to our feed. <laughs> Wait, I thought there were three. No, you're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> First time... My computer went to sleep a bunch of times, and I didn't realize it stopped recording every time, so my audio was all cut up and unusable. Mm-hmm. Second time... It was my fault. Yeah, but we didn't throw that out. No, we didn't. We still used it. We still used it. It was still it. garbage. And then the th- the second episode, we rec- we had to record twice because the first time I had all this static thing going on, which we mm-hmm. hope that we have resolved. Mm-hmm. Somehow we managed to record that correctly, the one that actually got on the feed. Um, but it, but remember, it was still a little tinny, and yes, I was like, right. "Yeah, this doesn't sound good, but we'll right. use it." Right. So at this point, right, we're at fifty percent, two mm-hmm. out of four. Yeah, and then we went to record um, this week's episode, episode eleven from season seven, "Hostiles and Calamities," mm-hmm. and the static. We did a good podcast. Yeah, it was a good podcast. It was yeah. good. Yeah, maybe. Too bad it's lost forever. Yep. But <laughs> it, yeah, it, the static returned. The static returned, which w- yeah. would not be listenable. There, no, it's yeah, it's bad. Right. So we have a two out of five, which I'm not sure what the percentage is on that, but it's under 50% success Mm -hmm. rate of actually getting what we record onto the feed. So we really hope that this time the tide turns a little and we're back to that 50% rate. Right. I think it will. I'm crossing my fingers. We have all good signs today. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your transients look clean. They look good. They look small. And you can you can uh, tell by tapping on your mic. We found out that it was the built-in audio that Ryan was recording off of, so mm-hmm. that can be an issue. Yeah. But now it looks like he's recording with his microphone, so that's good. That's good. It's a shame that I'm so inept with this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. None of you want to hear about this, I'm sure. Technological problems. Yeah. It's excuses we're, why yeah, we're so late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were going to have it up on Wednesday. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, I think, our goal, right? That will be our goal, especially now yeah. that we've figured out the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be uh, possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, episode 11, Hostiles and Calamities, uh, spotlight on... Dr. Eugene, Dr. Mm-hmm. Eugene Porter. Um, I guess we can start with a big overview. So, Matt, why don't or you... Dr. Smarty Pants. Dr. Smarty Pants, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a little uh, overview. Um, I liked this episode. I wasn't crazy about it. 
Um, if I had to rate it, I would rate it probably a six and a half. Uh, my point five is because of the Grembly Gunk. <laughs> I love the Grembly Gunk. I love the shout out to the Grembly Gunk. I don't even know what a Grembly Gunk is, but I love it. Um, and I think Negan was pretty strong in this episode. My issues with him have been kind of clear throughout our podcast. Um, I I like him when he's off screen in Ears Voice. And I also like him when he's playing more dynamic role. And I think we got a little bit of both of that this mm. week. We didn't get too much of him, which was also a good thing. It, he, I, th- I think he does so well when he's like that shadow creature that you can't, you can't see, you know. And also, I, I think another strong, uh, strong part of this episode is obviously Eugene's lines. You know, it's one-liners. Yeah, I hope you can read them a little later. Something I didn't like about this episode was was uh, Dwight and his his arc. We'll get into that a little bit later. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it a little bit more, or I would rate it a little bit higher than you did. I was a little bit conflicted because uh, I think that in terms of sheer entertainment value alone, the second episode of this half season was my favorite, the last one with the Garbage okay. Pail Kids. Mm-hmm. Um just because that was the one that I was like just super into when I was watching. Mm-hmm. And, and now this one was a bit more muted in mm-hmm. its approach. Um, but I think that, it, I think it was the best episode so far in this half season. Um, All right. Because I think that the dialogue was the strongest. Um, I, I think that, I think that it was um, setting things up really well for a payoff in the future, and okay. I hope it does pay off really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Eugene is hilarious. Yeah. I love Eugene. I think he's super funny. I don't think he gets enough credit for how funny he is. That's um, true. And I, I thought that as far as a Eugene-focused episode could go, I couldn't really ask for much more than this. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I also agree with you about the use of Negan. I thought that Negan was at the most effective we've seen him so far in this episode. So, I I'm might be being a little generous, but I'm going to give it a 7.5. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that rating will feel justified because what's been set up will pay off in the future. Yeah. But... Okay, so let's just get into going through things more chronologically. Uh, okay. Starts off with us seeing Fat Joey's corpse and uh, Dwight and company recognizing that Joey is dead and that it's because Daryl is gone. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole start with having um, everybody kind of go after Dwight and, and Dwight receive the brunt of Daryl's disappearance. Mm-hmm. was an interesting way to start off the episode, um, kind of reminding us of Dwight's just messed up relationship with Negan. I mean, at one moment, you know, Dwight is Negan's right-hand man, and he's treating him like he's his buddy, and then the next minute he's just a punching bag, you know? Right. That guy has 
endured, well, he has suffered incredible amount of abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, although I also had issues with the Dwight aspect of the storyline in this episode, um, I, I do think that he's an interesting character. And I do think that they're setting things up for a great payoff if uh, Dwight turns against Negan and um, plays a key role in helping Rick to dominate him. Right. And I just so look forward to that happening. I, I will be incredibly disappointed if we don't see anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But yeah, any, any thoughts on those opening moments? The opening moments. Um, yeah. Um, I liked, I think, something uh, key that stuck out to me was Negan's voice off, off screen talking about um, Simon going to look for Daryl. I, I thought that was a good use of Negan again. Um, I liked how they started out the episode with the sandwich on the ground and seeing that the 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 tomato was um wasn't rotten so we knew that it was we knew exactly where we were at this point mm-hmm. but one thing that kind of bothered me was as it panned up and I remember watching this the first time and being like wait was this a like a production error or something because they pan up and Dwight's coming from the left part of the screen and then as they cut to a close-up of Dwight, he's on the right part of the screen. And as the scene played played on, it made sense, but it took me out for a second. It was jarring, and I thought that was like a poor, uh, a poor um, shot choice. But yeah, nothing, nothing else really stuck out to me in this, other than. I, I did like the juxtaposition between uh, um, Eugene coming into the fold and Daryl kind of being, like, ripped out of the fold and thrown into the hole. Mm. And then you see, like, the climb for both of them kind of coming to the same point, but done in two totally different ways. Like, Eugene's kind of, like, in Utopia, and Dwight's kind of, like, climbing the the murder ladder. yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so I really liked uh, Eugene's introduction to the compound mm-hmm. and to his room and everything. You know, I like that he was really, really playing up his his fear as he was being led to his room. You know, do you think he wasn't that fra- that afraid? Oh, oh, I do think he was that that afraid. I guess oh, okay. I just mean that the show was playing it up. You know, He's oh, okay. Like, I hate mm-hmm. this, please. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just like no, no shame. Like <laughs> no shame. He is, go- he is gonna grovel. He is not gonna hold back. <laughs> That's and- why I think he's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no arguments there. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> sure. a cowardly, a cowardly guy. Um, so he, I, I like that whole scene where he gets led to the room and just sort of Eugene's like befuddlement. You know, like. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to get tortured or something. And I'm just here. Uh-huh. And it's like, I've got a refrigerator that's filled with <laughs> with fresh vegetables and a jar of pickles. And they're at, yep. they're telling me I can eat anything that I want. Yep. And, of course, like, the request for lobster immediately shot down. 
That's great. Yeah. Love that. I like that he asked for lobster. Yeah. I just, he was like, <laughs> anything? I can have anything? Do you, can I have lobster? No, you can't have lobster. Like, <laughs> what do you think? Like, obviously, he, he knows he can't have lobster, but the mere fact that he asked for it is <laughs> yeah. so brilliant. <laughs> or, like, it would be like asking for steak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you have filet mignon? Yeah. <laughs> do you have a, a fillet? <laughs> also, I love that uh, Eugene only likes processed potato chips. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that is very true to his character. I don't even know why, but yeah, you know, I'm it makes sure, sense. Sure, he probably only likes like the chocolate that comes wrapped in tin foil, like five cent. <laughs> like old Easter <laughs> chocolate, you know? Right. Um, and I like how he, uh, how he doesn't even like marinara. He only likes orangish, orangish yeah. sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's really good. You yes. can tell that's like, that's 100% SpaghettiOs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is why I like, even though Eugene's super cowardly, I just find him so like, I feel so bad for him all the time. You know, the guy likes SpaghettiOs. Come on. How can you not feel bad mm. for him? Mm-hmm. Um, I I really liked the callback to Easy Street that he just walks over to that CD player, turns it on. It, 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 it of course, is that song and his very subtle reaction of just bobbing his head. <laughs> <laughs> you can just tell in that moment, he's like, yeah. Things are working out for me right now. Right. This is a sign. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when that happened, I just typed down nope. I was so upset. I like, thought they would never use it again. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Oh, no. It was terrible. Yeah. That, fortunately, that didn't happen to me. It, it, yeah. That song hasn't gotten stuck. Although, as I said in our Lost podcast, one of our many, um, a couple days ago, pulled out the old Sega Genesis Mm -hmm. after like over a decade of never seeing that, probably longer, and uh, played Sonic the Hedgehog. And that meant that the following morning, I woke up with Sonic the Hedgehog music on loop in my head. (laughs) Do you remember which one it was? So it was the first... Yeah, it was the first game, okay. and I think it was from the second world. Okay. I'm not going to try and sing it. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, next uh, big moment probably is uh, when Eugene talks to Negan, or mm-hmm. more, Negan talks to Eugene. Mm-hmm trying to find out if he's going to be of any use to him. And I just loved that whole scene. Um, well, I know <laughs> both of us had one particular issue with it, yeah, uh, which we'll come to in a moment. But I loved the tenseness of Eugene, uh, you know, not knowing what to do or what to say, but managing to come up with something. I love that at first it was like, oh, you're just a normal guy. And he's like, no, 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 well, no, I'm, you know. I am a smarty pants. And, yeah. <laughs> um, loved uh, 
the moment when Negan was just like, we ought to give you a signing bonus. And he's like, well, I, I was gifted these pickles. <laughs> uh, yeah, There were several great Eugene lines in that scene. Um, yeah. I wrote some of them down. Where are they? Uh Oh, yeah, there's nothing like a beautiful woman smelling good to make you feel alive again. I, I wouldn't know anything about that. Right. <laughs> Very honest. <Yeah. laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I just really appreciate, I really appreciate Eugene's cowardice in front of Negan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Negan fully recognizing that it's there and playing with him. And I, I thought that was good. Now, the thing where Eugene saves himself by suggesting that they pour uh, uh, molten iron. What is it? like? Well, before we get to that, I just want to say one thing about this. I don't I'm getting to the point where I don't know if I trust Negan's perception of people yeah i don't know what he thinks about eugene because the, the only person that i think he he appropriately was able to read was spencer okay so he knew that he was selling rick out yeah um he's not able to even read his own man dwight you know he's got right. such a blind spot there right not only just a blind spot but i, I think he just does it he doesn't want to believe that his people could betray him and his only way to to uh to believe that they wouldn't is to ask them to reassure him that they're negan and it just seems unrealistic yes at times it seems like there isn't a lot of method to his madness but you wonder if even that could be the method to his madness that there's a certain arbitrariness to it like I think it's possible that Negan really does doubt that Dwight was honest with him and um, and that Eugene is being honest with him. But I think he... You don't think he cares? I, I think he still senses that he can use certain people. And, um, you know, he would... I mean, he's he, for example, like when Rosita did what mm-hmm. she did, it would have mm-hmm. totally made sense to kill her after that. Here's a woman who desperately, obviously, wants to kill Negan, who has tried to kill him, and but yet she's not the one that ends up getting killed. He's just like, kill someone, and then somebody else dies. Now, of yeah. course, conveniently, there's just the fact that the show wants to keep certain characters around, so Rosita doesn't die. But, you know, I think it's also just part of Negan's, Negan's way of operating. Um yeah. He would rather use the people that are most opposed to him than just take out whoever is a threat to him. Yeah, I agree. It just seems how could this guy with that kind of thought process get to the point where he is? I don't know. I I guess I'm so disappointed because I know how they play Negan in the comics. Mm-hmm. And it's more layered and mm-hmm. more nuanced. 
and way more methodical. Okay. So I'm looking at this way, and it just doesn't add up. Things happen that make me believe either he's an idiot or things just happen from, like, I good things just come to him, you know, mm-hmm. which just isn't too believable to me. Right. He seems extraordinarily lucky yeah yeah to have a a uh, um, machine gun pointed at you and it not kill you with the with someone on the other end of it that's burning with desire to mow you down and you and you don't die like that just i don't know coral I, don't know. I, I just don't think that they like they've given his character enough uh, not even enough, but just, it's almost like they don't know how to write him, in a way. I just get really confused by his motives, and by, I don't know, maybe his worldview, or maybe just um, his intellect, and his strategies, like, they just don't line up for me. Hmm. I don't know. Well, yeah. The only thing I really see in Negan is just that he's a sociopath and a bully. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and I don't think that's... The, and that's not how it is in the comics. That's the thing. is like he is definitely a sociopath and definitely a bully. But there's... You know, I, I, would, I would even be... I wouldn't be so quick to call him a sociopath mm-hmm. in the comics. I would say more like he's just... He's crazy and... Like he is empathetic to a degree. He's he's crazy and like you want him to die, but then there's a part of you that's like, ah, I kind of want to see where this goes because he's such a compelling character, hmm. you know. Well, and he's not too compelling here. I'll just say that. I mean, in my opinion, he is compelling as someone that I want to see destroyed mm-hmm. and humiliated. I mean, I think that. There is something to be said for the um, storytelling telling technique of making you increasingly loathe a, a, an evil character. And then when you finally uh, bring the justice, it is extremely satisfying. Um, but they've... Because, I mean, basically the first half of this season was just you know, trying to get us to feel the uh, pain of being under Negan's thumb. Mm-hmm. And I think it worked. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Right, yeah. I think it's easy to make that work. Yeah. What's hard, what's difficult, is writing a character that will do those things while at the same time putting yourself in his shoes and making you, like, not wanting him to die. Hmm. You know, that's more tough, and I think that's a more compelling character. It's very compelling to have a character that you want to die on screen, but, I mean, you don't like that kind of character. So you just want him to go. Maybe you want him to go out in a blaze of glory, but you don't care if he does. Like, you just want him to die because he's killed so many of our people. But to have a character that's killed so many people with such passion and and love for it, but also at the same time being played in such a way that makes you want him to stay around, that's rare, and that's tough. That's Hmm. the mark of a good, bad character. Hmm. 
I don't know. See, because I get conflicted when evil characters are popular with audiences. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're supposed to hate the evil characters. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, well, I mean, like, for example, the Joker in The Dark Knight. Great, great character. Uh, incredible performance. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's a good example of one where, like, I feel like I don't want the Joker to be gone. Like, if they had made a third Batman movie and the Joker was in it, I would have been happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I see what you're saying. Um, it is possible to to pull that off. But, yeah, for me, Negan is just, like, in this episode, he became more and even more like this character that I, I loathe. Yeah. And uh, I I just want to see like his pride bubble get smashed because it's mm-hmm. so huge. Mm-hmm. And he just gets to strut around and like nothing ever gets in his way. Nothing ever causes any significant problems for him. There's only one time that I can remember that we've seen him significantly flustered. Uh, which was really great. I want to see that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, in this episode when he threw the doctor into the fire, um, I was just like, "Oh, yeah, you horrible person." Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny because I know you've talked about like wanting to get his backstory and everything. And I, as you've brought that up, I'm like, yeah, that'd be interesting. But at the end of this episode, I was like, mm, I don't want any backstory. I don't want to find out about his daddy issues or anything like that. <laughs> you know, I just I just want him, you know, destroyed. And right, like, right. I want to see him. I want to see him brought very low. Um I would love to see him get hit with his own bat. I know that probably sounds like the attitude that I'm not supposed to have, but, you know, I don't want to see him die, but just like, you know, a little uh, knocked around by Lucille um, Mm -hmm. would seem fitting. Give Um, him a little bit of a concussion. Well, basically like what he did to the doctor. You know, he hit the doctor with his bat before Mm -hmm. he uh, threw him in the fire. So not a headshot. No, not a headshot because that's that's so deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and you know, I you hear some people say things like, "Well, Negan and Rick, they're really not that different." You know, it's just that you know Rick, and um, you know Rick is really he's almost as much of a psycho as Negan. After all, he went to the compound and he had everybody go and kill people there, and. On the one hand, I understand that, but Rick is not a sociopath. You right. know, Rick is able to make genuine connections with other human beings. Negan has dis- has demonstrated no capacity for any mutual relationship whatsoever. Right. Um, it's always about having power over people, controlling people, and getting something from people. You think of the moment in the last episode where Rick like went up and hugged Michonne and just like the tenderness that he had there. Negan has never demonstrated anything even close to that. And, right. you know, even the governor, who was also really messed up, he he was, in my opinion, a more compelling character in terms of his lairdness, at least on the show, 
because he really seemed to have genuine care and concern for his daughter. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. why I that's why I can't stand this version of Negan. Yeah. Is because he's not that compelling. He's so flat. Mm-hmm. Um in the comics, you do see an empathetic side to Negan. Hmm. Which again makes him more um more compelling. He's almost redemptive. Hmm. Like you you see shades of redemption in him that you're like, ah, oh, I wonder. Hmm. You know? Um, I did find out, uh, I don't know if they're ever going to tell us on the show, but I found out on, in the comics, the reveal for what he was in the Mm -hmm. past. And I will say that I think it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Totally perfect. Yeah. So I do hope they eventually show us that somehow. Yeah. Whether it be like a a small little callback or a backstory. Yeah. I hope it's a backstory. Yeah. I don't I don't just want a little nod. <laughs> I want like a full on episode. I think he needs it. I think this character needs to be fleshed out and and I said this in our last podcast and I I I think this episode further solidifies my my thought that I don't think we're going to go into a full-on war by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably hit, like, the ignition or uh, we'll see, like, the spark of it or it'll be the catalyst or something, but we'll see it in the next season. And because they've drawn out Negan's development so much, it, like, excruciatingly drawn it out, I think we'll see it in the next season. Okay. Which I, I feel like is a mistake. I feel mm-hmm. like they should have done it earlier. They should have probably done it in the first half half of the season. Um, I like I said before. I think it's so easy to to hate a bad character, but it's the mark of good writing when you make a bad character likable. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Eugene and Negan's wives. Yeah, let's do it. So. Loved all that stuff. Um, I thought that was some of Eugene at his best. Um, mm. I, I loved when he was like, I am fully aware that none of you ladies are here of your own volition. <laughs> this is about me showing you a good time. And <laughs> playing video games. Uh, we can play yeah. Warlords. It's four, four players. Quite a hoot. <laughs> so what's fascinating fascinating to me i think the most about this is how he got an atari yes yeah yeah in that post-apocalyptic world i know who went out scavenging for an atari i was thinking <laughs> a working one it's a testimony to how durable those things are like they you really think? are a, yeah yeah I, i'm sure there are still working ataris with those joysticks yeah. I was thinking as he was sitting there playing in the last scene, like, oh, it'd be so sad if his the joystick broke. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So let me just go get me another controller. <laughs> it is so sad because in this world that they're living in, it's not like you can get replacement parts for things anymore. You know, yeah. it's like if you're if you your Atari goes, it's probably it. Yeah. 
for so, Japan. It just like makes me so sad to think of that. It's like mm-hmm. sitting there, the joystick breaks. It's like, well, guess I'll just eat my pickles. Well, to be honest, Eugene could probably fix it. I guess that's true. Yeah. We see him create a poison, so... A very specific poison, too. It wasn't even, like, one size fits all. Right. you got to be a certain weight class. Yep. Um, I just loved his dynamic with them. Like, I love that, you know, every time <coughs> Frankie tried to, like, hug him or he would never like look her in the eyes just uncomfortable so uncomfortable um i thought the scene where they were all excited for eugene to do the explosion and everything like i just thought that was neat it's just sort of a that sort of feeling of just like people having fun and joking around is kind of rare on the walking dead and yeah I liked it. It almost felt too ominous. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love, like, uh, Eugene humming the 1812 overture as he, I'm going to light this candle now. <laughs> oh, you know what? That was that was a part of the thing that I read. This guy was saying how in V for Vendetta, that scene or that song is being played during the fireworks and, you know, obviously V for Vendetta is all about, like, overthrowing a very uh, maleficent, um, uh, mal- no. Malevolent. Malevolent. I'm thinking of the Disney character. Right, yeah. <laughs> a very maleficent. <laughs> maleficent. Ma- nope. <laughs> um, a very witchy. <laughs> <laughs> a very malevolent government. Yeah. And so... I I thought it was kind of interesting that he's singing this in his head because perhaps to him, I don't know, maybe the writers are playing it so that it's a little, you know, uh, shade of him thinking that he's going to be able to take down this hierarchy from from the inside. Right. Okay. Interesting. So it's kind of fascinating. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that song's been played so many times, so many places, so who can yeah. say? <laughs> so something just came into my mind that I realized I forgot to bring up. So earlier in the okay. episode, um, I know we didn't really talk about the the molten zombie thing. Uh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to shift back to that. So I thought it was kind of funny that... This episode pretty much had no zombies in it. Uh, that is right. very rare. You know, you can tell that almost in every episode, they always try to have one, at least one moment where there's a significant zombie thing happening and where, mm-hmm. you know, they have to find some new and exciting way to present us with zombie carnage. And I thought it was mm-hmm. funny that this episode basically just had one tiny little moment. And it was like yeah. they just tried to make it as gross as they possibly could. So they're like, they we're only going to get like five seconds to show a zombie. And we have to like give people their diet of zombie carnage. <laughs> so we'll just make it that the most gross. revolting zombie we can imagine. Just this dissolving thing, you know, that is as yeah. decomposed as it can possibly be without just being mush. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was almost to the point where it was, like, ridiculous, you know, just, yeah. oh, here he is. 
<laughs> you happy? You happy we gave it to you? <laughs> that's why we that's why we can call it the Walking Dead. There it is. <laughs> well, no. Rick has said we are the Walking Dead. <laughs> that's true at this point. The Walking Dead is yeah. people. Yep. And the people are we. <laughs> so, I liked that Eugene had to be smart and come up with an idea. I like that it connected to something in the past um, mm-hmm. where, you know, the place where he made the bullets had a smelter and, you know, that's all good. But logically, I do not see how that plan would actually work. Nope. Like I I Hard literally no. said out loud right after it, like, wait a second, what? You know, it, right. my, I, I just thought if you pour anything like that on on the zombies if it works and it and it hardens, aren't they just going to not be able to move? And then they're not a defense mm-hmm. for Negan. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, they're uh, decomposing, rotting, decaying flesh. <laughs> Combine that with with uh, molting metal. Right. It's not gonna not gonna be very. Uh, you need something uh, rigid. For metal to, you know, kind of slide over and solidify, it seems as though that metal would melt right past the bones with decomposing flesh. You know, though, I don't buy it that when the war finally happens, there's going to be like an army of of walkers that are (laughs) covered in in armor, and it's probably going to kill someone that we care about. I could see that. <laughs> I could see it. <laughs> Just having the front line being walkers. <laughs> They're going to look like the orcs in Lord of the Rings. Yes. And oh, Eugene man. will be on the sideline, like, <laughs> eating a pickle. Riding a horse eating a pickle. Yeah. All right, go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah this also makes me think it it just adds to how dumb i think negan is Mm. because my again like same as you my instinct when that happened was eugene is lying like this is this doesn't make any sense whatsoever Mm -hmm. why would and then when negan's like oh that's a good idea thinking who are you? Where have you like where's your checks and balances? <laughs> yeah. Who's coming beside you and saying, This Negan is not a good idea? <sighs> this yeah. guy's lying right out of his butt. Right. And we know that to be what uh, uh Eugene's weapon of choice is. Butt lying. Mm, yes. Well, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a lie so much, it's just he had to think of something to say. Maybe you know, he's not really sure whether it would work or not. But a smarty pants thing to say. Yeah, he had to he had to come up with something. And it, you said in the last podcast how uh, to to get three PhDs it would take <laughs> like thirty years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that is not something that someone who's I don't know he's probably like supposed to be mid to late thirties. There's sure just yeah. no way. No way. But he is not a sure. man apart. His intelligence yep. <laughs> has been objectively measured. 
That's for sure. Yes. Oh, man. So, yeah, one scene we definitely need to talk about is when Eugene tries to get the cold medicine to make the poison. Yes. Um, There's an interesting scene to me because I really felt like Eugene took a huge risk when he did that. And I know that Eugene has been pretty cowardly throughout, but he has demonstrated some fortitude some bravery several times in the show. And every time it happens, it's a really big deal because of the way yeah. he is. So uh, the ones that come to mind are the time that he carried unconscious Tara uh, out of the building. I think that was the same episode that Noah died. Um, and uh, there was the time that in the the uh, mid-season finale when he confessed to making the bullet. Uh, first, you know, Rosita was... Uh, down on the ground there and it looked like she was in her last moments and Tara exclaimed that she had made the bullet but then Eugene immediately said no no it was me and he then proceeded to prove it Um, yeah I got so frustrated because I read uh, IGN's review of this episode and it was talking about that scene it was like Eugene had an opportunity to be brave and he wasn't because he didn't confess to having made the bullet and I was like no he did (laughs) wait yeah yeah wait they said that? They said that. I was so frustrated by that. IGN, you should be ashamed of yourself. Wow. Yeah. But that's surprising. that's like why Eugene got taken away. Yeah. Because he <laughs> right. he confessed to it and he even explained how he had done it. And Yeah. So they missed a big part. <laughs> and that was a huge moment of bravery for Eugene. It was. Because he was re- he was expecting that he was gonna get Lucille after that. So Yeah. Um, and, and he was expecting to get Lucille when he got caught in the RV. Let's be honest, too. Yes, you know. Yep. He didn't have to take that RV. Right. Right. Yeah. And so Eugene has shown bravery, and I think that this moment was the episode moment in this episode where he did show some bravery. Um. So yeah, he asks. He gets turned down or he's told like, you know, don't you know about a line? And then he turns around. He has that moment where all of a sudden like there's this surge of confidence and he just, you know, puts fully on the whole lying thing that he does. And and not only asks, you know, for what he already asked for, but then just starts taking stuff. Yeah. And I think that. And that was a very risky thing because, um, first of all, he's in an environment where he's still new. He doesn't know what he can get away with and what he can't get away with. If right. this woman had had uh, challenged him more on it, um, maybe it would have gone all the way back to Negan. And he, Negan would be like, what do you want this for? You know, Or let's say that he actually had succeeded in poisoning um, if, if they, they had actually gone through with that. Then it would have been easy to be like, oh, we know something that happened. There was something out of place, something weird, you know. If mm-hmm. if the doctor can get in so much trouble just for somebody slipping uh, a piece of that note into his office, um, yeah, you know, Eugene acting like that—that's that's super risky. Which also seems very dumb that the doctor would like. How did Negan find that piece of paper? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, but but yeah. any, 
but yeah, the the point I'm just trying to make is I think that that we saw that courageous side of Eugene that comes out mm-hmm. every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I think that that moment in this episode is very important because I think it's one of the few suggestions we have that Eugene is not just going along with Negan the way we, on the surface, it looks. Okay. Yeah, I interpreted that much differently. I do think Eugene is brave. Well, I will rephrase that. I think he can be brave. He does brave things sometimes. Um. And he wants to be brave. Ultimately, he wants to be brave. And he doesn't, he's, he is very ashamed of being a coward, but he's not ashamed to admit that he's a coward, which also I think is brave. However, in this scene, I think it was more tactical than anything. I think he realized that him being on this 16th tier, uh, number 16, he knew that he could flaunt his power around. Not only could he flaunt his power around, but he should flaunt his power around. And in order for him to blend in as the savior, he needs to act like a douche. He needs to loot. He needs to raid. He needs to stake his claim because if he doesn't, then people will walk all over him. And you see this lady walk all over him to begin with. And when he switched around and he turned into a savior, she changed. And she wasn't going to question anything. She wouldn't even talk to Negan, you know, because she answers to Eugene because Eugene is Negan. I think he put two and two together in that moment, and that's why he did it. And him just, like, taking everything was him selling that, Mm -hmm. just that much more. So, I I mean, I don't disagree. I think that what he did was calculated, and it worked, and he had a good reason to think that it would work— um, based on his observation of the system and everything. But I still think his observation was somewhat limited at that point, and I still think what he did did carry significant risk with it. Sure. And yeah. uh, so I think there, that it wasn't, it wasn't an act that was void of bravery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly an act that I would be hesitant to make yeah. Yeah. in that situation. So um, I think that's definitely something to consider as we reflect as we will at the end on yeah. um, what Eugene is, where Eugene actually stands. Right. Um, one other thing we should probably touch on is uh, Dwight uh, going back to the house that he would have met Sherry at if um, mm-hmm. she was there. First of all, I don't even understand at all why of all people Negan has at his command, he would send out Dwight to go and find Sherry. Right, yeah. That just seems like, like you said, it, he, it's he's either incredibly stupid or he just likes doing ridiculous things. Like, I'm going to play with Dwight by sending him to go after his ex-wife, who is now my wife. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, does he really think, I mean, he must think that Dwight is super far gone to think that he could send him out to go look for Sherry and to think that if he found Sherry, he wouldn't you know, try to get away. But I guess Mm -hmm. they did try to get away once and it didn't work out for him. Right. So I, I, that scene where he went back to the house there contained probably my least favorite thing in the episode, which was 
when uh, the Sherry voiceover was reading the letter, there was repeated reference to Dwight's bad memory. And that was not something I remember ever hearing about before. And it didn't seem necessary at all to the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just very strange. That was my number one negative for this episode too. (laughs) Because, yeah, you're right. We haven't heard anything about Dwight. And in fact, Dwight remembered the pretzels and beer. He brought them. Yeah. You know, so it's not like... Not only have we not seen him have a bad memory or anyone say he has a bad memory or any anything alluding to him having a bad memory, he literally doesn't prove that he has a bad memory in this episode. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then yeah. we get a reference of it from the doctor as well. And I think even Negan mentions something about his memory in this episode. So in this episode alone, there is common knowledge of Dwight having a bad memory, mm-hmm. but he still doesn't have any actions that prove he does have a bad proves he does have a bad memory. And it's almost as though it's almost like the director or the writer for this episode decided to make Dwight like this is a massive character change. We're just gonna own it right now, <laughs> you know. I thought it was dumb. Let's let's make him have a bad memory. Because that movie Finding Dory was popular. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm well, sure I mean, they did say that. But. I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, they might have something coming up where the payoff will be him needing to have bad memory. Maybe he'll ultimately forget how much he hates Negan <laughs> or something. I <laughs> that don't, I don't know. That would be so unsatisfying, though, yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden he turned against Negan because he was like, I don't remember who you are. Yeah. <laughs> or he turns against Negan, and then he's like, wait, why am I fighting you? Yeah. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> I want him to be like, I remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's the payoff. Yeah. <laughs> he has the best memory. Yeah. <laughs> he's like an elephant. <laughs> I remember what you did. It was a Saturday. <laughs> At 212. Yeah. <laughs> I will say another thing I really didn't like about this this scene was him cutting or so two things. Him taking the the note that we all knew was Sherry from the beginning. I I mean, I don't know if you did. I feel like it was pretty obvious that it wasn't Jesus I, yeah, I and it, it was wasn't Dwight. Clear. And it was a girl's penmanship. So the fact that he takes this letter or this note and he brings it to the letter and he's matching the the G's, not only does he match the G's and he sees that they're identical, he slides it and gets it closer to make sure that they're identical. <laughs> I thought that was very like heavy-handed. And then how he slips that portion, uh, whatever, it's something, honey, uh, I'll meet you or something, takes that portion and puts it somewhere in the doctor's office. Not only did he have to find scissors and cut that little piece out, he had to put it in a place where the doctor wouldn't find it, and it would incriminate the doctor, and Negan would would need to find it or come across it, or someone would have to. Right. Who's not the doctor. Right. In the doctor's office. I know. Well, it only, just seemed very far-fetched. Yeah, that was really, really weird. The only thing that would make sense if, is if Dwight was like, I saw this in the office. But right. to Negan. But they didn't show us. Right. 
And but even then, like Negan would have to be so stupid, so dumb, not to put that together. And, and even did the doctor say something about Dwight? Like it was probably Dwight, right? Oh yeah, it's his no. wife. Yeah, no, doctor. The doctor. Um, yeah. Well, first the doctor was like Dwight. Tell him, you know, it's it wasn't mm-hmm. me. And uh, so I want to give Negan a little bit of credit, and. I think that Negan actually knows. That would be great. And I I think that he does what he does to the doctor, not because he thinks the doctor did anything wrong, but just because this is, for Negan, this is how you control people, this is how you assert your power, is every now and then you just brutally kill somebody, and that keeps people in line. You just sold me on it. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Because otherwise, Negan would have to be a freaking idiot. Right. And it seems so... uh, It's such a scary tactic. Yeah. Like, this guy is a loose cannon. He'll do this to anyone. Right. Even an innocent person. Yeah. And we see, you know, its effects on Eugene. It definitely has an effect on Eugene. Um, It has an effect on Dwight. Yeah. Do you think Dwight knows... I think that... That he's not playing Negan? I think that Dwight thinks there's a chance. And I think he's pretty uncomfortable. I think you could kind of see it in his face in that moment, you know? Okay, that would be brilliant. Yeah. I I don't know if I'd give the writers this much credit, though, right now. Hopefully it comes out somehow. I mean, all we need is for Negan at some point to look Dwight in the eye and be like, I knew and I knew all along. You know, yeah, and so I, I think that might may happen. Does Dwight ever remind you of Christian Bale when he's in skinny mode? No, but I now keep that you mention that, it. <laughs> I in the machinist when he's like super yeah. skinny, he's more skinny than Dwight in that. Yeah, but there's moments where where Dwight's face reminds me of of skinny Christian Bale. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Second Batman reference. That's right. Yeah, two in one <laughs> podcast. So we are uh, running out of time. Mm-hmm. So last big thing I really think we need to talk about is uh, basically where Eugene stands. So I-, I did really appreciate that moment where Negan came in and uh, questioned Eugene. Eugene's immediate response, like before he even finishes, "Who are I, I am Negan." I am unequivocally Negan. Yeah. <laughs> what it, I actually, I wrote down what he said because I thought it was so perfect. Oh, did oh, you? Yeah. Okay. I am utterly, completely stone cold Negan. I was Negan <laughs> all along. I just need to meet you properly in order to know. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Right. Because you, you can see how like that would be true of someone like Eugene. Because if you're a coward 100%. and you just want like the shelter and protection that this crazy guy can give you, like, oh, yeah. I am Negan. Like, um, then it begs the question: Does Negan know Eugene is playing him? Well, I think yeah. The bigger question for me is: Is Eugene playing or not? Is he playing yeah. him or not? Yeah. yeah. Um, Keep in mind, of course, at this point, Eugene doesn't know that Rick and company are rising up, that they're Mm -hmm. planning to fight back. Mm -hmm. He's not even aware of that. Mm -hmm. So it would be crazy, pretty crazy of him to, like, think in terms of, like, how am I going to bring down this whole compound? 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even if he was, you know, as brave as Rick or Daryl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think that Eugene is primarily thinking in terms of survival. The question for me is, would he ever be willing to resist? And does he feel in his heart a real allegiance towards his the Alexandrian group? Um, mm-hmm. Or is he willing to switch allegiance to somebody like the Saviors? And I have to say, I'll just be extremely disappointed if the surface uh, understanding of this episode and of Eugene's character plays out to be true. Like, mm-hmm. I really think there are some some hints given to us that Eugene's allegiance really is not with the saviors and that when the opportunity comes to resist Negan and do it in a really solid, good way, that yeah. Eugene will be willing to do it. Um, and I, for me, the, the hint of that, there's two things. So one is, well, actually there's three things. So one was that moment where he asserted his authority there with that, that savior woman and to get the cold medicine. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that he seems to have been a little bit over the top with his, um, with his allegiance. So, of course, that I'm utterly, completely stone-cold Negan, that moment. Mm -hmm. And also, when he first was brought into his room, and he found out that Daryl had escaped, and he was just like, he just offered, oh, you know, I'd tell you where he was if I knew. And I believe him. To be honest, I believe him. You believe him? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, so that's, that's the other thing, is I feel like he's overselling his allegiance. And the third thing is more not... Not so much something Eugene does, but something that the show does for us, which is that last shot of Dwight and and Eugene together. Um, yeah, I I love that the episode ended that way. I remember my prediction was that we'd see some sort of alliance start to form between Dwight and Eugene. We didn't really see right. that, but we did see that mm-hmm. moment, and I love just how full of um, subtext that moment was because, first of all. The last time that Eugene and Dwight had anything to do with each other, you know, Eugene was uh, biting Dwight in the nether Not parts. Chom- <laughs> he wasn't uh, chomping down on any pickles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, what an awkward way to start your relationship. <laughs> and Here, you want to pickle Dwight? <laughs> <laughs> and you know that both of these guys basically outwardly have pledged this allegiance to Negan, but they have every reason to hate Negan, uh, and yeah. especially Dwight. And they, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, one could argue, um, both of them have compromised on their values. Of course, Dwight has compromised incredibly. And he's yeah. just sold out an innocent man and uh, got yep. him killed. So, but there's mm-hmm. that moment where they're standing there together and Eugene is like, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember my handle. I'm Eugene you're Dwight like he knows who we are Negan and just yeah. like that that moment of just weird sort of unity where he's like yep you know Dwight's like yep we are Negan and but you you just I think I have to believe that as the director lingered on that shot the point was just to say like something's brewing here with these two right. like it's 
there's there's some resistance, some seed of resistance here, and like this is not mm-hmm. where it ends. It doesn't end with we are Negan. It's almost like ironic for in this moment for the for ne- Eugene to be asser- asserting we are Negan. Right. Um, deep down, they're yeah. not Negan. You know. Yeah. So, I like I like all those thoughts, and I I, I definitely feel split about my ideas because in some ways i feel the the uh i feel very much the same mm-hmm. but in another way i don't know if i believe that eugene has an allegiance to anyone but himself okay and i think if you were to throw him into the uh the hilltop and gregory pound him in submission i think he would be uh his alliance would be with gregory I think if you put him into the junkyard gang, his alliance would be to uh, Jadis. I think Eugene just ultimately wants to survive, and it doesn't matter where he is. You know, if he gets pulled out of this, if Rick comes through and he pulls him out, of course, Eugene is going to have his alliance back with Rick. If it came to a war between the Saviors and Rick, I don't think he would feel comfortable participating. Because he wouldn't want to, like, pick a side. Hmm. I think he would just find the cowardly way out. He just always wants to look out for himself. Now, it goes against his development this uh, so far in, in this season. And in, hmm. in seasons past, you know, he has been that guy that just wants to survive. But... We've been seeing him with the savior, with with our saviors, our uh, survivors. That he has proved himself as someone who cares about this group and ha- and you know sees him as a family and will do what mm-hmm. he needs to to not only for him to survive but for him to um, to to contribute. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely that moment where he took the RV or. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. So I think <clears throat> I think now where I'm at is I think he's starting back at square one. Huh. He doesn't know if he has an allegiance to the saviors. He's working it out. Okay. And the the problem is with Rick's group, um, they never utilized Eugene the best way that they could. They always tried to pigeonhole Eugene into what they thought a warrior would should and would be. You know, mm-hmm. someone who's able to wield a weapon and fight. Mm-hmm. But that's not Eugene's tactic. That's not Eugene's skill set. Eugene is supposed to use his brains, not his bronze. So yeah. um, I think... And and then we get a scene with Negan in this episode where he says something to Eugene along the lines of, Rick and company never uh, saw your worth or your value, and we're going to utilize you. Something like that. Hmm. And that's a shame. Yeah. So I, I think the writers know that that's what it's been like for Eugene. And it gives me a little bit of hope. That in the next, uh, in the coming seasons or in, you know, the coming episodes, when he gets back with the saviors, and I think he will, or the the, the survivors, I think he will get back with them, mm-hmm. that they'll utilize him in the way that Eugene needs to be utilized, which is with his brain. Right. 
and and that's how he's utilized in the comics and I hope that they go that route because he does a lot of interesting things like he can he can contribute in such a an interesting way like with that scene where he's working on that little radio and and Rosita cuts him down she's like what are you doing with the, the what do you you know we're supposed to be finding things for the savior and he's and he's like well this is something that the savior's going to use I'm working on something totally different and you know yeah. he's right right like yeah. the say like He's building something like a I don't know if it was a radio or a some sort of walkie-talkie system or something but he's building something that has value and that's what Eugene can do. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's wonderful. So I right now I'm I'm less concerned about where Eugene's allegiance lie and more concerned about what Negan thinks eugene is thinking and will eugene make it back with the savior with the uh survivors and i think i think he will but yeah well i uh i hope you're right that he makes it back i really don't want this to be another andrea situation mm-hmm. you know somebody gets separated from the group gets close to uh the enemy and then never is able to really reintegrate and right. just dies that would be right. just really disappointing um what here's what I want. I want that poison that Eugene made to get used. Um, I, I, I don't expect Negan to get poisoned and die, but I would love it if we had, you know, a scene where Eugene somehow finds a way to slip it to Negan. Negan takes it, but it's not quite enough. And so he's like disoriented, foaming at the mouth. Yeah. You know, just a mess. And uh, so we get to see all that swagger gone, you know, and yeah. he's like sick and vomiting and demoralized right. everything. And it's at that moment when, you know, our our survivors are able to come in during the war and just capture Negan because he is mm-hmm. um, he is so disoriented by this poison. I I, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I just think that would be so satisfying. Right. I could see that happening. Yeah. I did another thing that I saw in that article. Someone made a correlation between Walter White breaking bad and his trajectory and how he was this unassuming man who was a coward and everything and he ultimately became Heisenberg. Oh. Um and Eugene, you know, is cowardly and unassuming and he's in a scenario right now where he can make his way up the food chain if he wanted to. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. You know, and they have that little that little nod to breaking bad already with the ricin and Yeah. You know, and the poison, so Yep. Well we can hope. Yeah. The the question is, will he break bad or will he break good? Mm. <laughs> mm. But uh yeah. Overall, I think that this episode set up the pieces for some really satisfying stuff in the future. And I just hope it pays off. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. All All right. right. Yeah. Until next week. Over now. Over now.